Welcome back to the MetaMinds podcast, where we help you master your mindset. My name's Dan, and I'm a fully qualified counsellor. My name's Eamon, and I am a video strategist. And on today's episode, we had Tom Liebelt with us. He spoke a lot about course development, the online course space, uh, what it means to basically market in that space and evolve in that space, uh, a lot about kind of finding your niche and really kind of digging down into a particular thing that you're, you're doing really well at. And uh, there was a lot of like mindset kind of uh, tips in here as well. Um, but yeah, just a lot on business and marketing, which was, which was really Guys, fascinating. Tom is an absolute savage. Mm-hmm. And you will laugh just as much as I did in this podcast, I promise you. It's hilarious. And you will also pick up some huge gold uh, in the in the business and marketing space. And also, yeah, his mindset is amazing. So join us, have a laugh, uh, learn a couple things, and maybe launch an online course in the end. Who yeah. knows? So thanks for joining us and get meta. All right, Tom, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. No worries. We'd love to kick off with, uh, you know, if you can kind of summarize your your entrepreneurial journey in under 60 seconds, uh, just to give the audience context, that would be awesome. Uh, it's been a roller coaster. <laughs> if I got to summarize it. Many businesses, many things succeed, many fail. Um, had a lot of regular jobs, so I know what that's like. Um, been messing around with it since I was very young. Like my dad started me off selling stuff at the soccer stadiums uh, in Eastern Europe when I was seven. Uh, and then my first uh, business at 16, and it's been kind of yeah up and down since then. I mean, overall, it's good, but it's, you know, the realities of having a business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've had a business for like seven years, and it's definitely, you know, romanticized on social media, you might say. And, you know, there is a little bit of that, but it's mostly grinding, you know, and people kind of don't recognize that as much. So what would you describe yeah, got, what you do? Got that- what I do now? Um, I was going to say just you got to embrace the grind, you know, like yeah, the business it? porn, which I call it. Yeah. It doesn't really. <laughs> yeah, right now, we, um, we niched down with our marketing company. So we focus on online courses. Like we, we market online courses almost. Yeah, that's almost all we do at the moment. Um, and we've been really lucky. The industry has been blowing up, um, you know, and I, like I said, just luck, right? Especially with COVID going on. Um, like we've been booked, you know, I thought marketing people would be the first ones to go. Like I'd have no clients. We'd been just fine, you know, pretty much fully booked. Um, I spoke with the people in the industry, you know, the platforms, they've made more money each month since the pandemic since than they did in a whole previous year. So like March more than previous year, April more. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy, um, in a good way, but it's luck. Right. And there's gotta be a bit of strategy as well though, right? Well, there's strategy and, you know, like one of the reasons I'm still in business right now is because I'm good. You know, I've been doing it long enough. People know me. But what happened to the industry is just pure luck. Like right. we, we didn't know that people would be forced to go remote and have to learn remotely. Like we had no idea. Like it kind of happened and we're just in the middle of it. Right. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. As you said, like... <laughs> You know, I've, I've watched personally, I know a few people in the marketing industry and their business is definitely, you know, they're obviously the first thing that businesses cut off. And, uh, you know, so it's really good to see that you're actually thriving from it, even though it's obviously not really positive circumstances, but uh, it's good that you recognize that there's an element of luck in there as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a big element. Like I said, like we thought, you know, in March, I'm like, oh man, marketing, that's the least essential thing, right? 
to a normal business owner, they're like, oh, let's cut that off. I mean, it's important, but I mean, you know, if you ask a regular small business or a even medium business, like, oh, who can you cut off? Oh, those marketing guys, you know, we have enough business. But in our industry, it actually went the opposite. Like more people created online courses within the last few months than ever before. Yeah. More people had their first sales than ever before. Mm. And it was mostly forced, you know, circumstance. Like, well, I can't do speaking. I can't do these gigs. So let's do an online course. You know, and a lot of people went into the industry and kind of, I don't know, it, it's, been, it's been lucky for us. Just like yeah. a lot of other companies like Zoom, for example, right? Like they've blown up. Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah. There's no strategy. They just woke up one day and like, oh, wow, we're doing great. <laughs> oh that's great so it sounds like you have been in that online course space for a while so have you noticed yeah. any differences since uh the, the whole pandemic's come through have there been any kind of new industries that have come through in that space uh i haven't seen that much difference like things have been changing over the last decade for sure right like people don't buy information anymore now they want to have a skill or transform in some way or um, like a clear A to B. Like I don't have this before the course, I'm going to have that. Uh, the second thing I've noticed with the competition getting stronger, right? Because where people are creating courses, um, you now have to sort of think like which way you're going to go. Are you going to go as a coach or a, or a teacher personally? Are you going to create a brand? Are you going to create something that you can exit? Like, it's a business, but you have to kind of treat it more like a business now. You know, where before it was like, oh, I'm just putting out this, how to get my first $1,000 online and people were buying it. Now it's more of like, well, which path am I taking? Am I taking the easy path and, you know, going through Udemy and Skillshare and, and maybe end up like a $10 expert? Or am I going to do my own marketing and actually create a business out of this, which, you know, now I need sales marketing, control my list building, you know, everything like that. Um, another thing I'm seeing is with more competition. So when you sell something normally, service or a product, the only thing you need is a market product fit, right? So the service fits the market, you know, blah, blah. With courses, the educator is the third component. Like if people don't like you, that's going to be a big problem. You know, if they have three courses by three different people with the same outcome, well, who do I like the most, right? So the educator is a big component of that. When I look at the more advanced markets, like South Korea, for example, um, well, we're, we're taking baby steps toward it in the West with masterclass, right? So what we're doing is crappy courses with celebrities. But in the more advanced markets, the actual educators became entertaining and are many celebrities on their own. They'll have millions of followers and actually have their own kind of brand, personal brand as being a teacher, which we don't have that much yet in the West. Like we're not there yet, but and that's that, the next step, that right? Followers before they blow up or like, oh, sorry, before they do the course or millions of followers afterward because they're... Afterwards, afterwards, yeah. So they've actually... Well, you know, in, in Asia, people value education a bit more. That's why it's a more advanced market. Um, but just the way the industry is going, like soon, like it's not going to be enough for you to just be able to transform someone. If the competition gets good enough, and it's going to, you know, like you're going to have to entertain and be an actual kind of like a host in a way, right? Which most teachers are not. 
So when you think about all the hats that you have to wear, you know, coming soon, you know, if you want to control yourself, you got to know how to educate, attack, marketing, sales, be entertaining, probably community building. Like that's a lot of stuff. And that's why they're becoming serious businesses. You know, where before it was like, I'm putting up a bunch of videos up, selling my course and it's good. You know, it's not really like that anymore if you want to make it big. It it takes a little more and it's going to take more moving on. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. Mm. And so like, you know, you mentioned more and like mentioned some of the elements there, but potentially do you have some insights on, on what is that more going to look like? Well, the main thing is the entertaining part. Right. Like you will need to know how to, it's the same as having a podcast. Millions of people have a podcast. How many actually do it seriously? How many actually learn the skills that they need to become good podcasters? How many can actually host and entertain people, build communities, and become kind of like many celebrities? Like when you look at Joe Rogan and some of these guys, these are many celebrities now in the podcasting world. And it's the same thing moving into the online space, right? So again, it's going to be a few people making most of the money. Mm, as with every kind yeah. of business, right? As, as with everything, yeah. But for a long time, online courses, and they're still not quite there. So you can still come in in certain niches and be like, well, I'm one of the only people doing this. So we can make a lot of money being average. Mm, fair enough. And so, yeah, like as Dan kind of alluded to before, like is there any particular uh, niches or, or industries that are like hot but haven't blown up completely, like, aren't too saturated? people can still get into? So like I usually look at three different sectors, right? So the easiest ones are ones with external, an external push from someone else, an urgency that's being created by someone else. So for example, if you want to get certain jobs, right? You either have to pass some kind of an exam interview right like which is quite complicated a lot of marketing jobs a lot of consulting jobs these companies want you know like a there's a big process so if you help people pass that process and get a job that's usually an easy sector to get into and i've seen people do really well with that for other jobs you have to have an exam that you pass it's this is not a interview it's like a series six for uh, an insurance job or a series seven for being a, a broker or some kind of a CPA exam to, you know, get the, get the job and prepping for those exams. Also very good sector because it's, it's something that the person knows they need. You know, there's a transformation. Like I can't pass this test now, but I will be, how much is it worth? Well, what's the job offering you? That's how much it's worth. Urgency. If you don't pass this in two, three weeks, you're not a candidate anymore, right? So this is like an external urgency. And the third one I find, which is really easy to get into, is think about all these really weird hobbies that people have, but they can't find someone locally to teach them. Hmm. Whether it's calligraphy or Muay Thai or knitting or some kind of drawing, like some Japanese drawing, just, you know, different niches. Because some of these people are obsessed you know, with what they're doing, yeah. mm. but they can't find anyone in their town. Yeah. And so and it's like, a very easy, you think locally is like really important. 
Well, if, if I can find the same thing locally and hang out with and meet some friends, hang out with people, have a real community, like most people will still do that for a lot of their hobbies. But if they can't find someone, that becomes a problem, right? Mm. Now it's, do you want to get on a plane and travel to San Francisco or New York to learn this skill or do you want to do it from home, right? And the community will be built online you know, it's not as good as something that you'll be doing in person, but it's the second best. And I'm seeing a lot of people succeed in these small, but very, very hot niches. Like people are obsessed about something, but it's just not local, right? Like they, they can't find anyone. So they go online and that's the area where I see a lot of average still. Mm. So, you know, like someone knows how to do something fairly well. You know, they maybe went to Japan. They learned it in three months. They came back. Now they're, you know, the first one online. Community is hot. People want it, but there's just no one else teaching it online. They can't go locally. They're not going to fly to Japan. So boom, you know, that's a win. So I'm seeing a lot of these happen. And it's, it's really the people that come to me and be like, Tom, I just put this out and made a lot of money, but I just can't grow it. I don't know how to grow it. But the money was just lucky. Like they all became lucky. And I was like, well, it was the niche. You know, like you came in the right place at the right time for these people. Yeah, right. And you alluded to before that, um, you know, a lot of the time people running these courses, they have a lot of uh, knowledge and, and potentially skills in the area. Um, but you also mentioned that as it becomes more saturated, there's going to be more of a kind of personality behind the courses that will, like you're basically niching yourself at that point, I guess. So in your kind of training and development with these people, like, what does that process actually look like? Are you also developing them as people to be more confident as well as offering, like offering their, their skills and knowledge in a, you know, a digestible kind of manner online? Like what does that look like now as you're evolving? Yeah. So we no longer do course creation. I found it was just a ton of babysitting and I hated it. So in the marketing, I, I give a lot of props to my clients too because they take a lot of lo like tough love from me. I will tell them exactly like what the problem is. And if it's them, I'll tell them, you know, it, it's you. Mm. And, you know, we need to fix certain things. Like you're not entertaining. You're not coming across as this. You're not, you know, a lot of them don't want to sell. I'm like, well, if you're not selling, then what are you doing? This is a business, right? So there's a lot of things that I will coach them on. But, you know, how to become a better educator, that's not something I will do but I will show them examples of someone that's way better and I'll tell them why. And I'm like, well, you know, if you can't get this good, maybe it's not for you mm. because certain niches just require that, you know, especially in the business area. Yeah. You know, yeah, we I have a lot of business people. I mean, you can, you can think of some, you know, like uh, even Anthony Robbins, right. And some of these guys who are, you know, he comes in into the business world, creates a course. And I mean, you know, he's, he's definitely going to get attention. Knows his stuff, I would imagine. Um, he's got the following. So now if you're competing with someone like that, you know, you, you really do got to bring your A game or more because he's got a head start. Yeah, you're already behind. Yeah. So with our business, you know, initially we were doing marketing for everyone for many years. And I always thought, you know, if someone comes up to me and says, like, Tom, why would I hire you over someone like Jay Abraham? I'd be like, well, if you can afford him, there's probably no reason. Because he's much better. 
just experience. You know, experience does add a lot. Like he's seen much more than me. Now, when I moved into the online course space, I became a big fish in a small pond very quickly. And if someone says like, well, why don't I hire Jay Abraham? I was like, well, because he would hire me because he doesn't know what he's doing. You know, it's just a much different thing. So often if you can't get that good, and often it's just an amount of time that you've been in business or amount of time doing it. You know, sometimes like someone's like 10 years ahead of you and you can't, you can't get past it. So you have to kind of, you know, move to your own, like create your own area of expertise. And then later on, you can move back. And, you know, when you have that, that following and social proof and knowledge, but yeah. So, so sometimes with my clients, you know, the positioning or the offers will change. I'm like, you're going after something where you're clearly not going to be number one, at least not for the next 10 years until this guy retires. So we need to move into a different area. Like you can still do, you know, what you do, but we just need to find a different way to position you for now where you can become that expert, that, that you know, that number one or two in your field. And so like what common other problems would you say that you see <clears throat> online course creators making? Like what common problems are they facing when they're, trying to create and then market their online course? So the main problem is everyone's learning from business people, right? And business people know how to sell services and products. And they don't realize that an online course is not a product or a service. So let me give you an example here. When you look at the path of a product, right? You give people a sample, you get them to buy the product, then you upsell them on maybe a bundle, get more of the same product or other products which are similar, right? That's, that's the product path. With a service, could be similar. You know, I'm gonna show you like a little piece of my service. So I'll get you 10 leads on LinkedIn, then I'm gonna get you in my LinkedIn service, and then I'm gonna get you into my content creation part, right? So it's, it's a service. In, in a car would be a test drive, get you in to buy the car, accessories, right? So that's a typical path of that. And people try to recreate that with online courses and fail every single time. This is what a typical course creator does following that path. Let's say I have a course on meditation, right? The lead magnet, the initial part, I'll teach you this one minute or five minute meditation. Okay. The course... I'll teach you these 20 different meditation techniques, right? And the bundle, I'll give you 100 extra meditation techniques based on the situation you're in, right? So it's all the same thing, right? I'm giving you the sample, product, and more. What they don't realize is that people don't want to learn more of the same, right? So if you are selling me your meditation thing and you gave me that one or five-minute meditation already at the beginning, the sample, in my head, that problem is solved. That itch is solved. Like, I know how to meditate now. I'll figure this out. Even though I've never seen it, I've never looked at it, it's on the back, of the, on the back burner, it's on my to-do list, but it's solved. I already took it. I, 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 you taught me how to do meditation. I have it. So then when I'm trying to buy the course and you're saying, I'm, I'm selling you meditation again, I'm like, well, I already solved that problem. Right. You see what I mean? Yeah. And when I buy the course, 
and you're offering me 30 more meditation techniques. I'm like, yeah, but you already scratched that itch a long time ago. <laughs> like I already have all the meditation. This is a solved problem. So people create the wrong path. You know, they think of if I'm, if you like meditation, if I keep giving you more of that same thing, you'll be happy when that doesn't work in the online course space. That's what a product and service. Yeah, what does work? <laughs> what is the successful path then? So if we look at the meditation areas, right? Just going back. If my lead magnet says, I will teach you how to set up a stress-free environment. I'm leading you towards meditation, but I'm not teaching you the skill yet. Then I will sell you the meditation skill set. And then I might teach you some advanced techniques on going to the next level in flotation tanks, using flotation tanks or something. So initially, I'm setting up the environment, selling the skill set. And then for the people who, who want to go to whatever the next level is, that's what I'm going to sell. But as you see, I'm not selling more of the same. Mm-hmm. Like I'm introducing different pieces in it. And I'm also not breaking up the meditation because I've seen people do that too, which is horrible. Like I will teach you a half of the meditation technique now and then upsell you to the rest. You know, that does horrible things for your reputation. Mm. And what about like added kind of resources for people? Like how do you feel about, you know, homework or worksheets or offering the the customer something on top of that kind of knowledge they're getting? Is that something? I mean, all that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, you're justifying your price. Right. So is but that that's, all, that's all coming within the actual course, right? That's the middle piece, right? So I'm, when I'm teaching you a skill set of meditation, now to justify the value of it, I'm going to add a lot of stuff to it, right? I'm going to add bonuses and all these things because I want the value to be really easy. So this transformation maybe doesn't have a really clear value initially, right? Like if I'm teaching you how to pass a series six exam and you will make $80,000 after you pass the exam and get the job, well, $80,000, that's the transformation. I'm, I'm getting you there, right? So I can easily get a price of the course from that. With meditation, it's kind of hard. How much is anxiety worth? How much is stress worth, right? So you're trying to put some kind of value on it but also add things which you can then kind of anchor, right? So these resources worth, you know, a couple hundred dollars or these bonuses worth a couple hundred dollars. So eventually you get something that resembles the value of the course and you can kind of price it accordingly. But that's what they're really used for, all these other things, right? Like I'm justifying why, you know, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm trying to help the students too, right? Obviously, so, you know, people learn differently but I'm talking from the marketing perspective. You know, from the marketing perspective, we're trying to justify the price because often it's hard to kind of pinpoint how much things are worth. Yeah. Mm. So then how do you actually go about marketing an online course? Somebody comes to you and they say, hey, I've got this course created or hey, I'm about to create this course. Then what do you do from there? Well, there's a big difference if you tell me you have a created course and you are about to create one. Because if you created one, and I find out that the offer and positioning is different, your course might not work anymore. So if you haven't created one, 
it's going to be easier to validate and kind of figure out what you should be creating. But most people come to me already saying like, look, Tom, I created this course, I sold an X amount and I'm stuck. Either I made a, had a launch and I can't sell it anymore. I don't know why. I would like to do an evergreen model or I've exhausted my first channel. Let's say YouTube. Um, I'm getting organic traffic. I've been doing everything. Can't get any more money than whatever I'm making now. How do we move on from there? And the answer with all marketing is it depends. Like I would really need to know what you've done, what's the course on, how is it selling, what's the channel, what's your following like, what's your budget like, what are you trying to accomplish? Like there are a lot of things I need to know before I tell you, well, this is what I'm, you know, because first I need to figure out how to solve this problem. And if I'm clear on that, then I can tell you how we're going to do it. Mm. Otherwise, there... it's kind of like going to a dentist and like sitting in a chair and be like, all right, doc, what are we doing? How much does this cost? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there any sort of advice that you do find does overlap and, and kind of has been like a theme that has been quite common with, with your clients? So, yes, but it's by, by design. So we work very hard to put clients in certain buckets before they come to us. So our clients, um, which are in the validation phase, I try to teach them as much as possible because we market by teaching our service. Um, don't come with a course that's done because you might have to redo it very quickly, right? So let's validate the idea first. Come to me with an outline. Um, you can create one or two modules just so you have something to put out. But let's test the idea first, right? Uh, the second ones are all, like I said, made money or are making money and are stuck. And we love those clients because, you know, the course is validated. We know people are buying it. The only thing now is how do we match up more audiences with the instructor who must be okay if he's selling and the course, the transformation, which also is okay, right? So it's the easiest one for us. And, and we actually kind of push for those clients. And we've been lucky enough where we have enough of them where I don't have to deal with anything that I just, you know, that's too much work. Hmm. And what does that validating process look like on your end? So the validating process is really about trying to pinpoint the audiences. So there's a lot of testing involved. That's what marketing is. Hmm. But I'm just trying to use my experience to cut down your three years of playing around into maybe two months or three months. And we'll, you know, we'll try to figure out you know, which idea will meet which audience. And initially, I like to do a lot of ads and, and marketing material using the instructor. Because later on, you kind of want to take your way, yourself away from the process. You want to become a brand. So it's, you, know, you can make an exit. You can have different instructors. You can you know, create a real business. But initially, like, I want to know if people actually like you. Because you know, it's that third pillar, right? If I'm connecting this idea, transformation with an audience using you, and people are still okay with it, I know it's not going to be a problem moving on. If I don't, if I become really creative and like, you know, I'm going to make the best ads and connect people and at the end they see you and like, I'm out. It becomes a problem, right? So 
during the validation, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Which idea from your course, which transformation is going to connect with, with audience? And then I need to just make sure they like you. So you're always kind of in there in the beginning. Um, and once we get that working, I'll be like, okay, well, this is working fine. They might already have a waiting list of two, 300 people. Get your course out. Let's start making money. Right. So the validation is all about you know getting that list built up and people are like, yeah, I want this right now. And I like the instructor. And if we have those covered, it's usually okay. And then we get into other problems, which is, you know, how do we scale, which also becomes problematic a lot of the time. You know, it's different trying to make six figures, low six figures, which is really easy to do, um, and then try to grow it to high six or low seven figures. Completely different playing field. And what got us to that first step, it never gets us to the next one. Like we have to completely transform the way we market for that. True. There's a lot of insights there. This is awesome, man. I'm really appreciating it. So but, uh, with the actual testing process, like, you know, say you test two different offers um, and then you're, you know, lead magnet ads on Facebook and you're capturing emails for both. Um, and then this one's way more successful. What do you do with the other emails? Well, if anything is not working, I always say just take it behind the barn and shoot it. There you <laughs> Savage. go. <laughs> Love that. Yeah, just keep what's working. And then if something's working, just realize it's probably not going to be working in two, three months. So let's keep testing. Like I always tell people, like, yeah, this is great. You're making a lot of money, but it's going to stop. So the best time to market is when things are going great. Right. Like we've been fully booked for a long time and we still, my team, everyone on my team markets an hour a day. And it's how we stay full. And some people kind of make fun of us. We'll get them in the funnel. They'll say like, can you market? I'm like, no, nah, we're booked. So why did you market? I was like, because I want to be able to say no mm. and not have to search for customers. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, you know, it's the same thing I tell other people to do. Like if things are going great, yeah, this is when you ramp up your marketing. Or create a system because I'm more of a systems guy. You know, I don't think about goals. I think about systems. Like how do we create something that is happening every single day without me that leads to getting more clients? Mm. You know, and, and then when things are bad, I just email the 10 people who I said no to. I'm like, you know, any of you want to come aboard? <laughs> and usually it's a quick, yeah, let's do it. Mm. So it's the same thing with online courses, right? Your ad's going to burn out. Your messaging is going to burn out. So what's next? Yeah. You know, and, and most people, what they do is like, oh, Tom, I don't need you for now. This is working well. I'm like, great. But I'm also a bit of a dick, so I might not, not let you back in when you say you want me again. <laughs> and it usually happens, right? <laughs> they'll, they'll come back in like, Tom, this stopped working. I was like, yeah, I know. I'm fully booked out. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it goes with marketing as well. I've had, a, had quite a number of marketing clients and they think, oh, cool. Now we understand what you do. Now we're just going to keep doing it. I'm like, all right. And then they hit me up again. I'm like, well, it's going to be X amount, thousands of dollars more. And I'm sorry, but this is how it works. You know, I warned you basically. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. So they all, all get a clear warning and then it is what it is. Yeah. You know, that's just but me. like I said, like things just don't work forever. Right. This is why you keep trying things. And I, I always wonder, like, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, this is stupid. Like, you shouldn't be doing it this way. I'm like, you know, do you understand what trying works? How trying works? You try things. 
And if they don't work, you just shut it down really quickly. But you just never know, right? So you will try many different things and hopefully one of them hits again and you have something on the back burner now. Mm. This offer is making a lot of money and this one's coming into play. And then again, well, what's next? Right? I mean, if you're building a company long-term, like this is just going to be what you'll end up doing or hire someone else to do for you. But I've seen many marketing companies that are really good without clients and some real bad companies getting all the attention. And the only difference is marketing. They'll have some awesome marketing guy putting out new offers and new campaigns all the time and it's just killing it. You know, so, so that often becomes a difference. With courses too, I find that courses themselves are only, only 20% of the success. The rest is all marketing, positioning, and then sales. And I found that some of the average instructors, they didn't like that, but I told them, you know, I could just pay someone to build this, like, you know, and make all the money myself. Like, I really could. Mm. Just to make them realize just how little what they have is worth. Because they come up like, oh, I made this course. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> not really anything. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So like, man, we've gone through so much business stuff already, but to switch gears a little bit, uh, what's yeah. the number one habit <laughs> you would contribute to your success? Finishing what I start. This, this is what I find almost everywhere. Like people just start a million different things and don't finish. Like I have a pretty good bio. I don't know if you guys looked at it, but you know, often it's like the question, how did you accomplish so many things? And it's like, just by getting them done, you know, like putting a stamp on it, like this is done now, making a music album, done documentary, done doing the conference, done. You know what I mean? Like just everything done, done, done. Mm. 150 podcasts done. That's how you get, you know, like things moving like you you finish things the other one is there's a big hustle mentality right now you know that gary v mentality like yeah hustle 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 and you kind of move forward Work. right yeah yeah it, it's it's cute when you're 20 <laughs> it's but, it becomes less when you're 30 and 40 right like if you speak to any real successful business people they maybe work on their business one or two hours a day and spend the rest of the time thinking. So when I see someone hustling, there's a couple things going on. One, you're young, you're trying to figure it out. Fine, I'm with you. Two, maybe you're just not very smart and you're jumping from one thing to the next. This is people in their 30s. And I'm like, you know, this is getting less cute now, like you're kind of, you know. And what often happens is, there's this bus analogy. I don't know if you guys heard about it, but when you're building a business, it's like getting on a bus, right? And often you see a bus next to you that looks much nicer. And you're like, oh, I'm getting off my bus, getting on that bus. And then you're on that bus now and you see another one coming up. You know, this could be Bitcoin or something. Ah, oh, this is a great bus. I'm getting on this bus now. <laughs> so you meet someone that's, you know, 35, 40 years old. And you ask them like, oh, you know, how, how much experience do you have in business? They'll be like, oh, 15 years. I'm like, really? Because if I look on your resume, you have 10 times two-year experience. Like you've never made it the second stop on the bus. You've always jumped. Like you're no different than a 22-year-old who's in his first business in two years. And often, just staying on the bus is what you need to create that business, right? So 
like really difficult things will happen, but you need to break through them. Like, so, you know, it's going to be the third bus stop, the fourth bus stop, the fifth. And eventually you'll break through and you'll realize how boring successful businesses are because everything's working and you don't really need to, don't need to hustle anymore. But I just find most people never get there because they always get off on the second, third stop when things become really hard and they're off on the next bus. And they're thinking that they're making traction and hustling, but all they're doing is starting over again and again and again. Mm. And people never learn what you actually do, right? So I just had lunch with a buddy of mine and he became fairly known, started becoming fairly known in e-commerce, right? Three, four years, you know, ran some decent businesses, sold one, had some partnerships. I'm asking him what he's going to do now. He's like, oh, there's this lady doing like homeschooling. I'm thinking of partnering up. I was like, why in the world would you do that? Like you're on the third stop of your bus. You don't know what to do next or you're getting off to getting on a different bus and you're going to be back in the beginning now because no one knows you. When you go into the homeschooling, she'll be like, you're a nobody now, starting over again. So my best piece of advice is stay on the fucking bus. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because, like, that you know, there's a lot of mentality around, like, you know, like you said, kind of jumping off the bus. Like, as you're starting to get traction, you then you then jump ship or you jump to another bus, and then you have no idea where that potential path could have taken you, and then you're starting from, you know, like you said, stop one again. Um, but you also mentioned before that you're a big advocate of trying different things. So how? Have you made the decisions in the past that you, because obviously you're, it sounds like you're on multiple buses. Maybe now you've kind of focused on the one bus, but you've said that you've done, you know, an album, you've done, you know, <laughs> lots of different businesses and there's so much that's going on. So how do you know when to stick with that particular thing and how do you know when to jump ship? Right. So the main thing throughout all of the stuff I've done have been marketing. Every piece that I've ever done, we had to market it. And I took a big part in that. So I've always been on the marketing bus. I've switched a lot of my interests along the way. But like I said, it's cute in your 20s. You know, that's why I made sure I got all my music and movie stuff and everything out in my 20s. Because then, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you're ambitious. You're, you know, figuring things out. When you get in your 30s, you know, people start being like, what happened? Eventually, right? So... We had a marketing company that we started around when I was 30. Like I was actually probably right when I was 30, like the first day of my 30s. Because I've been thinking about this for a long time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And we've been doing marketing ever since. Now, like I said, if you can't jump over someone, like I can't jump over Jay Abraham. I'm waiting until he's gone. We moved into a different path of marketing, which is online course marketing. So I'm still on the same path. I just created like a little pond for myself, which is easy for me to dominate. And eventually when I see those bigger players move off and I'll have, you know, my 15, 20, 25 years of experience on the same bus, it'll be easy to jump back in. Now, when I said trying new things, so often when you're on that stop, on that third bus stop, right? Like the main thing now is you're hitting a wall and you will have to try a lot of things to get through that wall. And this is when trying new things really comes into play. Now, I'm not saying try to do different things. Like, no, you've got to solve this problem. Could be, you know, how do I 
scale this business and step away from the operations. Very difficult problem initially. How do I have other people sell for me if I've been selling myself for the last 10 years? How do I create a brand out of an offer? Because a lot of people think offers are businesses. They're not. <clears throat> so the new try, the trying new things is usually getting over that next you know, bump. Now, one thing I've heard before, which a friend told me, I was thankful that I had business friends before, you know, when I was starting out. I hit those walls, right? And I would call them up and be like, dude, I think I'm done. This is just huge. Like, I, you know, how am I supposed to get over this? Like, I, I don't have the resources. I don't have the skill sets, blah, blah, And he told me, look, man, a year from now, the problems that you think are huge will just be another thing that you're doing that day. You know, like as, as time goes on. And he was right. Even when I look at my last week, I've had six or seven things happen that would have broken me when I was in my first, second year of business. Hmm. I could give zero shits last week. I slept normally. I said, I'll do them after lunch. I, you know, the world is falling. We'll take care of this at 2 p.m. when I'm back from lunch. I don't care at all. Mm. You know, like I'm a little more jaded, but have a much thicker skin. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I pretty much know all this stuff. There's no emergency. If there's an emergency, go call a doctor. Like we'll handle this at 2 p.m. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that's like a really interesting way to look at it as well, especially if you have really defined what it is that you want to do. Like for you, you said that marketing is your bus as such. And yeah. defining that sounds like a really important step for a lot of people. Um, but what about, are there moments where you actually just have to not keep pushing forward? Like how do you personally recognize when to kind of put your, you know, put the gauntlet down and go, okay, I'm going to change direction here or try something different. Like, is that just with the friendships you've got with people or your own intuition? Does it come from your brain, your heart? Like where do these big mm. decisions come from? If I'm not making money, it's time to quit. Yeah. So initially when you're starting out, you, you, we all go through a similar path. Just most of us get stuck along the way, right? If we don't move forward. But initially, you know, if, if you're learning something new, you know, let's say you're getting into the online space. Because it's a little different. It's a little different than selling in person. And I've moved to that, so I know. <clears throat> the first couple of years, you're going to try to figure out shit. Maybe, you know, putting out many offers, jumping around things, being an apprentice. But eventually, you'll stop jumping buses. Like I said, you know, that's one thing you need to do and you'll pick a path let's say it's marketing the easiest thing to do is consulting in the beginning it's much easier and believe me it is much easier to get a couple high paying clients than a thousand low paying customers much easier you can get those within three months and already have a going business and i've done it every time <clears throat> the next path is to build up some kind of a list following where you can start getting customers, not clients, right? Because clients will make you hate your life after a while. So you need a way out. <laughs> and, and you can, 
not go all in immediately, right? Like you can still say like, okay, I'm going to put some constraints on this business. I'm not doing any calls in the morning and the evening. I'm only taking these type of clients. I'm only going to take enough so they pay for my bills. And now I have the whole time, you know, left for every other thing. Where more, most people be like, I'll take all the clients because I want to make more money and I have no time to build the next thing. They get stuck, right? You'll see like a 50-year-old consultant with clients and like, you know, he's fat, bald and hates his life. So you move into the customer stage. That's where you have lower-end products and you can easily make systems. You can take yourself out. If I'm selling something for 200 bucks, like you're not going to get to talk to me. You're not going to see me. Like it's 200 bucks. I mean, come on. So you move into a much easier, but it's, it's very hard because, you know, we, we're not taking the easy way out. We're not going to Amazon, Udemy, Skillshare, and have someone own our business. You know, because that's easy, but it always ends badly. So you're going into your own controlled environment. It's very hard. So I recommend consulting first, then you kind of move into the customer model, right? To build that up, you can usually sell that. The third part of that is then thinking about something with an exit in mind, right? This is where software businesses are really kind of the sweet spot. You know, so you could think of it this way. I have my high-end consulting, right? Like I'm making a couple of G's per client here. I have an online course or community or some productized service, something on the lower end, which sells all the time, right? This is my second income. And the third thing is like, how do I brand, build some kind of a branded software in the same space? Because now you're, you've been on the same bus, right? So you have the following, you have the expertise. And it's built... The only reason I'm building this is, yeah, to help people, but I want to sell it. This is where you kind of create your exit. And what I see people do is they get to that point, they sell the company, you know, blah, blah, and they'll start over with the consulting. Again, customers, the next thing, right? And it's kind of like the path we all follow, unless you get stuck. So I've seen a lot of people get stuck because the next thing is always too hard. When you finally figure out how to get clients, you're like, oh man, getting customers is a whole different skill set. It's too hard. When you finally figure it out, it's like, man, building an app is super difficult. So usually the only reason people haven't moved through the path is because they just got stuck on that bus stop. They're like, yeah, I can't move through. Mm, nice. But that's the common path, yeah, to kind of move through. Love it. Dude, we've covered off on so much and we could honestly probably sit here and chat to you for hours, but I know we both have... Uh, things to do so like aside from uh you know to, just to wind it down now last question aside from stay on the bus which is fantastic advice you know if you could potentially go back and 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 shake your younger self and, and give that person one piece of advice when moving into kind of the online selling space or online education space what advice would you give that person nothing man because that older self and you would have got into a fight already <laughs> <laughs> Like, it'd be the first thing when I'd be like, hey, here, this is what you need to do. I'd be like, don't tell me what to do. And the first thing would be like, you know, it, it just wouldn't end well. <laughs> like, I thought about this before. It just wouldn't. I was, yeah, yeah. Like, I wasn't I someone that was. Are you having, having an interaction? Two of me in the same room would not just be a good thing, <laughs> especially at that age difference. Like, like, I'm much calmer now. But back when I was younger, I don't think it would have been a good combination. <laughs> um, but here, look, this is what I'll 
tell people it's very important and and it's not mentioned in business enough like know how to manage your energy levels you know because burnout is a serious thing but what i find is people don't really manage their energy levels and and the things they do right so when you're at your top energy in a day like do your own business stuff your own creative things when you're a little lower move on to client things when you're completely down administrative right and i see people just don't pay attention to that enough and the older you get the more you need to manage it like when you're in your 20s you always have energy right when you're in your 30s it gets lower like i'm almost 40 now and i see that i really need to manage my time properly you know like i i can be super productive but i need to be very conscious of what i'm doing during that time and you know energy management is huge because if you can't do that how will you grind for the next 20 years how will you actually you know create something when it becomes really hard like oh i'm burnt out or sleepy well you know business doesn't care clients don't care your team doesn't care nobody does right so this is like one thing that you need to master you know it's um and it's not easy right you know you should always be doing something physical every single day you know and then mental stuff and that's when you go to sleep well most people miss one of those right like you know don't hit the gym or don't eat properly or don't work on their own business you know like it's 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 a hard thing but it's really something that's so important yeah, I think you're right. It's like definitely not mentioned enough. You know, a lot of people talk about how important marketing is and, and it is. And, but yeah, definitely the actual mindset part of it is the most important part. And that's what we love talking about. So, Tom, thank you very much for joining us, man. There's been so many gold nuggets in here and we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been, uh, it's been fun. <laughs>